My name is uh, Pastor Stephen. So great to have you here. We're excited. We're going to be doing a quick mini series for two weeks called Don't Stop. Don't Stop. And I really feel like God has put this message on my heart for someone in here today who is on the verge of giving up, of letting go. And I feel like you're here this morning, and I don't know the specifics of your situation, but I feel like God has given me something from Scripture that is for you to keep you in the pursuit, to keep you in the game, to keep you from giving up. And my goal this morning is to inject a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement and perseverance into your game. And, you know, even as I speak this message, I feel like God has been speaking to me in this as well. And, and I'm excited to share it with you. This week, we're going to talk about some of you who may be stopping short of a promise that God wants to give to you and that you are meant to receive. And then next week, we're going to talk about some of you who might be stopping short of a purpose God wants you to fulfill. And in order to do that, we're going to go to God, God's Word. So if you could open up to Hebrews. By the way, we have uh, Custom Weekend Bibles we want to give away as our gift to you. If you know somebody who doesn't know God and you want to give that to them as an encouragement to get into the Bible, feel free to take one. Also on our app, we have our Custom Awakening app with the messages and a way you can just uh, read God's Word on that. And also you can give on there as well, I believe. Um, but yeah, feel free to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, and this kind of summarizes the whole talk today, and it is this. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, tell, you, tell the person sitting next to you, what you do need to do is persevere. Tell your neighbor, what you need to do is persevere. All right, all right. Now turn to the, the person that you... Or it was your second choice and, and say what you do need to do is persevere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, see, God can make you a promise that you may never see if you don't persevere. And that's true for relationships. That's true for churches. That's true for spiritual growth. That's true for business. I mean, how many of you have ever tried to start a business before? I mean, that is difficult, but it's like, 80% of them die before the third year. It's pretty close to the statistics of churches as well. But So I want to talk to someone this morning who knows in your heart that maybe you have stopped short of something or maybe that you're about to stop short of something that God put inside of you. And here, here's the thing. Let me just make it real, real, real here for a moment. One day, what if on the other side of eternity, we're going to be able to sit back and look at through the perspective of God's eyes and see our life and each choice we made and what our lives would have looked like if we would have made a different choice. We will get to see what our lives might have been. And that's just, I think, the, the craziness of, of the omnipotent, not omnipotence of God knowing everything. We'll be able to see the tracks of our lives and what if there was something, a decision that we're about to make or just made in our lives, where if we were able to see from heaven's perspective that if only we would have persevered, we would have made it through. If only we would have hung on just a little longer, the blessing would come in, in vast proportions. 
what we're going to do is, before I even get, dive deep into the text, we're going to pray. So if we could all bow our heads, close our eyes. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Uh, Lord, I, I believe that there is someone in here who needs to be encouraged to not stop, to not give up. And Lord, you've put that person here for a reason. They need to hear these words. So Lord, I pray you to prepare their hearts, soften their hearts so they could hear these words and be encouraged. And Lord, I pray you'd speak to me. I acknowledge that I can do nothing aside from your spirit. This church can do nothing aside from your spirit. So work through us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, the message title for today is Don't Stop at Six. Don't Stop at Six. I'm gonna explain this in just a little bit. It's gonna come around, but I want you to turn to chapter six of Joshua. Chapter six of Joshua. And I'm gonna give you three reasons why people tend to stop short, why they tend to give up. And I'm gonna give you that first point in just a second, but before that we do that, we're gonna jump into Joshua chapter six. And you need to understand the perspective of what's going on here. I'm setting you up the scenario here. Joshua has a history of being in the wilderness for 45 years. God made a promise all the way back to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that he would give them a promised land. He would give them a land where they would multiply and they would be fruitful. And he promised them this. He even promised to Moses over 45 years ago that this would happen. And now here is Joshua with the people of Israel. And finally God has said, it's time. It's time. And Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, I'm going to read it out loud now. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one came out. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Everybody give a loud shout this morning. Yeah, it's your chance to scream in church. Now, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone straight in, straight in. Now, God is saying to Joshua, you're finally going to get what God promised. It's time. Jericho is the first step to receive their inheritance. How many of you know in here this morning that the first step is always the hardest? Amen? When it comes to like, hey, let's get, we'll start working out. I've gained 10 pounds in the last month. I need to get back on my working schedule. And it's that first day of working out and that first weight you lift or that first two minutes on the, on the treadmill that it's just the most dreadful but once you get into it, it's good. It's even like waking up early in the morning, right? At first, it's terrible. It's difficult unless you're just some blessed person who just wakes up and you're like, bing, I'm up, like SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, but but it, that, that's, just, that's just rarity. God bless you for that gift. I wish I had it. But when I wake up, I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. I want to sleep a little longer. How many of you like that? Uh, that's me, that's me. But the first step is often the most difficult. And here's the thing. Joshua waited for 45 years. And now the city's sitting right in front of him. It's right there. And, and, and man, it is not an easy first step. And I remember in church when I was a little kid, we used to sing 
this song. I don't know if you were raised in the church and if you know it, but we used to sing the song, Joshua in the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua in the battle of Jericho when the walls came tumbling down, right? Remember that? They do that on Veggie Tales, I believe. Uh, but yeah, you, you, there's this song, and it just makes it feel so simple and instant, instantaneous gratification. God nailed them, and they got a victory. But it wasn't that simple. Joshua was thinking, oh, you're singing your crazy song, flailing your arms, making it all out to be simple, but it's not. It's not easy. It's not as easy as you think. And here's the thing, write this down. Sometimes when we see somebody's victory, we tend to oversimplify the process. And we say, well, why can't I have that? I want that. And you think it just happened so easily, but no, you're just seeing the end result. You didn't see all the work that went into that thing. And we assume it was easy for them. And, and Jericho, it was not a big city. In fact, you could walk around it in one hour. It wasn't that it was a big city. It was that the walls were so flipping high. They were huge. They were daunting. They were intimidating. And you go up and stand underneath them they were towering and intimidating. So, some of the stuff in your life that's not happening and you've been praying for it, it's kind of like that wall, that big wall that's intimidating in you. Some of the stuff that God promised you that you haven't received yet, that's that wall. Some of the stuff that you're intimidated about, that's that wall that, that Joshua was facing. And it's not that the problem that you're facing is bigger, bigger than you, because the God that's in you is bigger than anything that you could ever face. It's not that the problem is bigger than you, it's just because the wall is so high, it limits your perspective. It limits your perspective. And that is our first point. Our perspective gets blocked. Our perspective gets blocked. That's why some people stop short, is our perspective gets blocked. Now, that's why you're wise to come to church, because it lifts your perspective to see beyond your problems, right? For six days, all you see is walls. You're looking at setbacks. You're looking at deficits. You're looking at kids tearing up the house. You're looking at your spouse, okay? You're looking at our past. And all we see is walls. And that's what I love about the church because when we come and, and we praise God together and we pray together, there's something about the presence of God's Spirit that lifts us up above these walls. And so our perspective is no longer blocked. And you realize that, hey, I'm not alone in this. There's other people that are going through this as well. We can lift each other up. We can encourage one another. And there's something about just praising God that lifts our perspective. Now, here's an important point. You can write this down as well. When you see past your problems, you can see that the enemy that you were so intimidated by is actually more intimidated by you and what you can do and what you can accomplish. When your perspective gets raised, you can see that it's not you that 
should be t- intimidated, but it should be your enemy because you have something powerful in you. You have something bigger in you than your problem, and that is our God. You just have to look over the walls sometimes. Now, let's look at verse 1 and 2. Let's, if we could pull that up, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Again, let me read it. Now, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. In verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now, here's the problem with these verses. It's like they're contrasting each other. And verse 1, it's saying this place is locked down, secured, fortress. And then at the same time, it's like an oxymoron. God is saying, hey, I've given it to you. I've given it to you. That's the kind of crazy God that we serve that can talk about a battle we're going to win in past tense that we haven't even fought yet. That's the kind of God we serve. Now, and, and, and you know what? That's why God says to you in your problems, hey, I'm not worried about this. I've got this. I'm not propping Prozac because I'm stressing about it. I've got you. I've got you in my hand, and I'm going to do something. So verse 2, it's done. And verse 1, it's like, it's the secure fortress. Have you ever seen a mismatch in your life between what God has promised you and what you see right in front of you? Have you ever felt like God's talking about victory in your life right now, but you're just feeling defeated inside? How many can relate to that? Have you, ever, have you ever felt like God spoke to you about healing you on the inside, but you feel so broken? I mean, have you ever felt like God asked you to witness to someone, tell them about Jesus? Hey, I got some powerful news to share with you, but then at the same time, you're, you're having questions about your faith as well. You see that, the paradox there? Have you ever had God ask you to give something, but you're, you're thinking, man, I mean, I, I'm not even getting my own needs met. And here we're talking about tithing and things like that. It's like, oh, man. Have you ever had a season in your life where your revelation did not match your reality? That's happened with me before. I'm sure it's happened with you. Maybe that's what you're going through right now. And Joshua, Joshua's perspective was blocked because of the paradox here. Here's this big obstacle in his path, and God's saying at the same time, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. See, that's why God sends you preachers to encourage you to help elevate your perspective. That's why God sends kids, uh, directors to help your kids to elevate their perspective. That's why God sends people like Amber to lead you in worship, to shake off this intimidation that you have to where you're stepping above the wall and you're no longer intimidated anymore to go out at your week. That's why God sends you these things. So again, three reasons why people stop short is the first one is our perspective gets blocked. And the second is this, write it down, is that our progress isn't always obvious. Our progress isn't always obvious. There's an actual bamboo shoot in Japan, I believe, that for a first, like, one year to three years, I'm not quite sure which one. It was either way, it's a really long time that you plant it in the ground and it does not even sprout. And you're like wondering, what, what, what's going on with this thing? And 
you don't realize that all, all that time, the root system has been growing underneath and has been spreading. And then after that first year, guess what happens? Boom! The shoot thing grows hundreds of feet per month. And it's amazing to see. And that's what I'm talking about. Our progress isn't always obvious. So God speaks to Joshua. He says, march six days. And then on the seventh, and on the seventh, the walls will come down. The walls will come down. So Joshua calls his people together. And that's where we pick up in Joshua chapter 6, verses 6 to 14. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have the seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And then he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with armed guard going ahead of the ark. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had the commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word. Until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So we had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to the camp, spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Six days. I, I want to get into the minds of some of these warriors for a second here. I want to get in the minds of some of these warriors and, and, and just think about what they might have been feeling. Okay, look, they're, they're getting riled up, like, ooh, they're doing their chants, they're sharpening their swords, they're getting their armor ready for battle, they're pumped to go to war. God made a promise, they're going to take this city, and here they are, marching around the city, marching around. They took a long walk, and if I were God, which I'm not, thank God, okay, uh, that would be scary. Uh, but if I were God, I would just be like the kind of person to give people incentives, right? Like, w like puppy training. When you get a puppy, you, you, like, you train them to sit, and you, you're constantly feeding them treats. Uh, you want to teach them to, to roll over or, you know, do the thing where you go, bang, and they, they play dead, you know? You got you to feed them treats constantly. And so they're constantly reaffirmed and reassured, and it's embedded in their brain. So with me, with God, with people, I'm not calling you guys dogs. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if I, with people, if I'm have them march around this thing for seven days, and, you know, just all this time, it takes a whole hour to go around the thing. I'm sure it's exhausting, and just, you have the people on top of the wall sitting down there taunting you. Hey, you, go away, or I have to taunt you a second time, right? Okay, so you have people throwing things and taunting you. Uh, that's a Monty Python quote, right? Um, anyway, so I'm sure it's no fun. And I, if I were God, I would say, hey, I'm going to give them incentive. So each time they go around one day, I'm going to have a little, another section of the wall crumble. So every day they're like, oh, yeah, okay, a little bit more. Let's keep on going. There's incentive. And so we keep, keep on going. But that's not, that's not how it, what it says here. It's not, it's not how it works here. But for me personally, that's what I, like, I like that because I like to have control. I like, like Tetris. I like that game. It's fulfilling because each time you feel one of the, the holes in the slot and the one column across the way is all connected, it disappears. And you're like, instant gratification. Oh, I took out that whole section. Yeah. It feels good. 
Because we, we need to see progress to keep going, am I right? Uh, but the Bible didn't say that. And the fighting man, I'm sure, gosh, imagine the humiliation. Coming home after marching around this thing, after they all got pumped up for battle, and the wife asked, hey, honey, how'd your day go? Did you get some, some people? Did it kill somebody? You know, did you have a great battle? And the guy's like, oh, gee, well, we kind of did some strength conditioning. Uh, we we kind of just marched around uh, the, the walls. And, you know, we're just getting prepared. We're, get, we're getting ready. Uh, and then, by the way, this is a little nugget for those of you who are married. When your wife asked you how your day went, that's code for she wants you to ask her how her day went. So that's just a free nugget. You could take it, put it in your pocket, keep it, save it for later. I'm not charging for it, but just a little word of advice there. Now, and, and so, yeah, just imagine meeting these guys, and they're just so humiliated. Coming home, the was, oh, yeah, we just went marching around, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Why, why do you think that Joshua didn't tell you? It doesn't say in the text. Why didn't you think that Joshua didn't tell them we're only marching seven days? Why do you, you think tell? No, but more importantly, there's another question. Why do you think that Joshua told them to be silent? That's another one. Let's get into that one. Why do you think Joshua told them to be quiet? Well, you know, because 45 years ago, when they sent spies in the promised land, those spies that were supposed to be minor warriors came back with bad, bad reports saying, hey, they're giants there. We're going to get crushed. They were literally speaking death about their victory. So they stopped short 45 years ago. So Joshua learned that lesson because he was there on that, that extra expedition, uh, that spy expedition. And he saw what happened. And so he told them, you be quiet. You do not say a word. Because you know what? Sometimes your mouth is your worst enemy. Your own mouth. Speaking from experience, Pastor Stephen, the foot and mouth syndrome guy, okay, your, your mouth is often your worst enemy. And, and your best strategy is to shut up and march. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, shut up and march. I know you've always dreamt of telling somebody to shut up in church, so there's your chance. Shut up and march. <laughs> uh, so seven, or six days and no action. No action. And Joshua did not say a single word about how many days they were about to do it. And again, Imagine how a soldier would feel on day two. Like, man, we've been ready. We're ready to go. Here's the city. Let's just take it. We're, we're marching another day? A whole hour? This is ridiculous. Imagine how they felt. The, the temptation they had to just complain. But Joshua was wise to tell them to be quiet. And sometimes we stop short because the process is open-ended. It's open-ended. You see, like working out. For example, when uh, the first time I did, I did in, uh, insanity. Anybody done that before? Okay. Now, the first time you do it, you don't really know. You, you kind of know it's 30 minutes, but you don't know how much each exercise is kind of new to you. And so when you do that, it's torture because you're like, oh, you're doing these push-ups. And he's like, keep on going, going. You got more time. I'm like, how much more time? How much more time? It's torture. Stop, please. Somebody tell me. Show me. If I only knew it was 30 seconds, then I would be like, okay, I need to pace myself. I need to figure out what to do. And, and, but it's torture. So then the second time is much better because you know now what's happening. And that's what happens in our life is this, this open-ended stuff. It's torture. We have to have like a shot clock there. If we only knew how much more time it would take to just persevere with our church, and then God is going to really bless it. 
right? If we just had a shot clock in there, oh, only 10 more days or one more month, you know, whatever. Then it would be like, oh, then our spirits are up and we're like, yeah, let's do it. Or even like staying pure, okay? Somebody, God called us to, to, to you know, get married one day and, and but they're just like, oh man, another day, oh, another beautiful girl walks by. Oh, you know what I'm saying? And, but if only you had a shot clock saying, hey, you only got one more year to stay pure and God is gonna bless you with amazing woman and then you could do it or even starting a business oh all you got to do is persevere one more year and then you'll start making it in the black and you'll start to be able to take a salary in that year and a half marker and if we just knew that then we could persevere that's not how it works so again the three reasons why people stop short is one our perspective gets blocked two our progress isn't always obvious and right now obviously what we're talking about right now is the process is open-ended the process is open-ended write it down it's open-ended. Oh. Everybody give like a big sigh. It's open-ended. Oh. That's no fun. Again, Joshua didn't tell them how long they would be marching. And then again, imagine how the soldiers felt at the beginning of the seventh day. Good God, please have mercy on us. Joshua chapter 6 verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times. Seven hours of marching. Imagine how you felt, they felt on the sixth hour and 59th minute. Oh, I want to quit. I hate this. I hate this. I'm not wanting to do one more step. So, God didn't want them, and this is why. God didn't want them to trust in their own effort or progress. But he wanted them to trust trust in him and have faith in his promise that he was going to do it. And, and I want you to write this down. What you're doing doesn't seem to be working, but God wants you to trust that he is working even when what you're doing doesn't seem to be working. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. And you're facing a wall. Will you still pray when there's no answer? Will you still serve him when nobody appreciates what you're doing? Will you, will you still show up when you're not seeing a difference? Will you still give when you don't see the provision in your own life? Come back. Will you march just because God's saying to you, I told you to do it? March. Be faithful without seeing a daily benefit. Are you willing to do that? You see, can you, can you imagine if we had like, you know the Google glasses, the Google glasses that, that actually have the website where you can literally see and watch and it identifies storefronts and maps and locations, even has the facial recognition, cool things like that. And... Um, it's really cool. I mean, but imagine if your life, you had one of these Google glasses, and every time, like, you did an exercise, it would tell you, hey, you just built so many ounces of muscle, and you just burnt this much fat, and you saw the measurement. And then you, like, pop the broccoli, and, and it just, like, pops up and says, you get bonus. You just gained protein and calcium and this much, and this is how much more you'll need today to be strong. I mean, wouldn't make diet and exercise so much easier? We would be like, oh, we're there, and this is the progress, and this is where we're going. It's just, but it's not that way, because it's open-ended. It's open-ended. 
Here's something that's important. Sometimes I wonder if God doesn't send us walking around the walls because what needs to happen in us needs to come before what God does for us. The process is more important than the reward. What if that is the thing that he's trying to develop in you? Perseverance. To never give up. And you know what? Now this is where the title of the message, Don't Stop on Six, comes into play. What if, what if someone is on lap six of their marriage and then they're going to have a breakthrough but then they gave up on their marriage? What if they're on lap six and they gave up on their ministry, on their church? What if, what if they're on lap six and, and you've given up on your kids? Or what if, what if you're on lap six and you're giving up on God? And, and NASCAR, it's, it's really cool. They have this lap meter that's in the, the top panel of the vehicle that literally tracks each lap and saying, you got 459 laps left. And so they know it's encouraging. Well, what if you had a meter in your life that says, look, you're on lap six. You're on lap six. What if you're on lap six and you don't even know it of your marriage of your finances, of your business, and your ministry area. What we need to do, here's the key. Here's the key. This is probably the most important part of the message. Walk every lap like it's your sixth lap. Because if you do that every day, one day it will be the final lap, and you will persevere. One day, you will be right. One day, you will receive the miracle you've been praying for. One day, you will receive that breakthrough in your relationship. One day, you will receive breakthrough in, in ministry or business. If you just hold on. So don't stop at six. Don't stop at six. You're on lap six. Don't give up. Our church is on lap six. Don't give up. We can do this. God has a plan for us. And he's going to move and he's going to do something. And I believe that with my whole heart. I would not be sitting here right now. God has something for you. He's got something for this church. And what we need to do is we need to be faithful. Finishing the story, you guys want to hear how it ended? So Joshua chapter 6, verse 16 and 20. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. That is how it goes down. And guess what? God gets the credit. It's not that we were the ones that pushed and made it happen. It's that he fought the battle for us. All we're responsible for is perseverance, is hanging in there when the times get tough and having faith that God can do it. He can turn things around in your life, in your work, in your school, with your children, with your marriage. God can turn things around. And all you got to do is persevere. Don't stop. Don't stop on six. 